Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 104, and like the eighth take of this intro that I've done so far. I keep messing up, and I'm just flowing with it at this point. Today, I'm sharing an interview with you that I had with the owner of the Poisoner's Apothecary, Kobe Michael. Also has a really great online store with apothecary items, um, including some baneful herbs, tinctures, oils, some baubles, and jewelry. Really great store. Um, But today, I'm going to share information that he shared with me about baneful herbs, the poison path, and how you can work all of that into your magic safely. Now here's the part of the podcast where I'm going to have my disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form do I condone ingesting anything poison, including baneful herbs, plants, and oils or tinctures. Please use at your own risk. Ask your doctor before introducing any new substance into your routine, uh, whether it's regular or not. Um, And anything you do with baneful herbs, plants, poisons, or otherwise is your responsibility and we hold absolutely no responsibility for whatever the hell you do with your own stuff. Okay, with that out of the road, (laughs) I'm just going to go straight into the interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I will make sure that I have all of his links in the show notes as well as in all of our groups and on our main Witchy Woman page. Um, If you're not a member of our Witchy Woman friends group, please head head over to Facebook and join that because we do have a lot of great discussions about witchcraft and each of the episodes in it. If you'd like to join the coven, I will talk about that at the end of the episode. How's that? (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to to do this talk. I love talking about poisonous plants. Um, my name is Kobe Michael, um, for those of you that don't know me, um, and I run the Poisoner's Apothecary, which is a blog on Patheos Pagan. Um, that's how it started out, so different articles, um, mainly on esoteric herbalism, uh, traditional witchcraft, green witchcraft. It's kind of my, my area of focus on the blog, but a little bit of um, history and just general um, occultism, just my my different musings on there. And I also um, run a web store under the same name, um, The Poisoner's Apothecary, where I specialize in um, different baneful goodies, different herbal preparations, um, jewelry, uh, different charms and amulets pertaining to the poison path. Um, so you can find that is at poisonersapothecary.storeenvy.com for the products. Um, We'll be coming out with quite a few new things moving into the spring too, so um, stay tuned for that. I've got some some different poison collection boxes that I'm putting together um, just sort of around some some different interesting themes all pertaining to the poison path that I'm going to start doing this spring. Um, Just lots of fun things moving forward with that. Um, And if you do want to check out some of my writing um, that's online on the blog, that's at patheos.com slash blogs slash poisoners apothecary and that's patheos is p-a-t-h-e-o-s i'll make sure i have all of the links uh in our groups and in the show notes so if somebody is like driving they can click on it when they get home (laughs) yeah yeah that's all there's a lot of links if you google poisoners apothecary you'll find me (laughs) yep are you still going to continue to offer the the classes that you have in on that site too? Yeah, all of the classes you can sign up for um, directly through the site. So you would just um, purchase the course access and then I send out all of the the confirmation emails, class material and all that just gets um, sent out by me personally. So it's not automated or anything. So if you don't receive like a um, you know, notification right away. It doesn't mean that, you know, something went wrong. It just means that it takes me a minute to, to email everybody. Um, yeah, I've got the class, the Poison Path Formulary coming up on February 27th. So I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be a two-part class just because um, the information is going to be a little bit more in-depth. Um, so I am calling it an intermediate class mm-hmm. um, just because it deals specifically with um, formulation, alkaloid extraction, um, just some of the more practical and in-depth, in-depth chemical things. Um, when it comes to working with with potentially dangerous plants so okay. there's a lot of 
demand for that information out there and yes. you know just in I'm sure you know too just starting it it's hard to hard to really find anything concrete everything's kind of scattered you know in all of these different places yes so I'm excited I signed up for it and I'm stoked I I've been growing my little babies and I have all of them around but I haven't really done much other than like because I'm a plant nerd I like meditate with them and things like that but that's about Perfect. all I've done with my baneful babies <laughs> nice who are you growing so, um, I, so I'm, I always, I'm, I go big. So I like bought all of the seeds. Um, so I have, um, mandrakes right now, some atropa belladonnas. I've got the Turkmenistan, whatever. Up. It's a belladonna, but it says like Turkmenistan or something oh, like the that. Turkmenica. Yeah. <laughs> so I have that one growing, um, some Datura, uh what else i tried to grow wolfsbane cannot get that sucker to come up from seed so i'm trying again mm. new plan so i'm coming i've got some more seeds coming i'm gonna try try wolfsbane again for some reason henbane is like easy for me so i have like so much white henbane and then one little thing of black henbane so okay yeah so that's what i have right nice. now my husband had to make me a plant room to put all my like poison babies in because they outgrew the grow cabinet and I have, you know, bunches of pets. So I had, like nowhere to put them. So now they're in my witch room, but my animals love this room. So I can't have them in here. So he's, he's like, I'll make you a room for all your poison babies. Oh, that's amazing. We love, we love a plant room. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. So he's doing that like the next couple of weeks, getting me at all set up so I can start growing some of the stuff for my garden outside. I, I start them in here. So I'm stoked. Yeah. It's interesting to see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been good for that. Yeah. It's interesting to see, you know, what, what type of plants, um, you know, people start working with and then sort of continue working with, because it does sort of seem like these plants have really big personalities and just like people, you're not going to get along with everybody. And mm -hmm you know, certain ones just don't want to grow for certain people. <laughs> I want, because I'm like, it's almost like a competitive thing with me. Like I started the, all my seeds and the only ones that would not come up was Wolfsbane. And so now it's like a challenge to me. I'm like, all right, so I'm going to read all I can about these, these plants and how to cultivate. And I'm going to grow them this year. Yeah. So right. I'm going to try if they don't, if they don't come up this year, I may shelf that. <laughs> have bit. you tried um freezing them i did so i tried two different kinds of what they call it stratification or whatever that is mm -hmm. so yep. the first way i put it in a little jar with water in the fridge and i did it that way um and i would replenish the water i think they said to replenish the water every once in a while and then the other way i did it was a, a wet paper towel i put the seeds on it and the other seeds like other plants love that like they grew like crazy mm -hmm. using that, but not full Spain, neither way worked. I do have some kind of mystery seeds that I found in the fridge that I planted that are coming up. So it will be <laughs> interesting if that's what they are. Yeah. I was like cleaning out my fridge. I'm like, oh my God, I, I found a paper towel with seeds in it with no label. So I planted them and they're about, you know, two or three inches tall now. So hopefully they're some, I mean, they've got to be yeah, one of my baneful herbs. Those mystery seeds. <laughs> yeah, I I just wrote I I wrote mystery seeds and then the date that I planted them and I have known nothing other than they have like two leaves now, but that's it. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully it'll be something cool. <laughs> I like the mystery seeds. That's sort of like right now I like go and I talk to them. My husband's like seriously, yes, seriously. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's that's a big part of working with plants. You know, the the time that you spend with them. Um, the cultivation on like a daily basis, you know, you're really, really getting a feel for like every single stage of the growth cycle and, you know, the, the amount of knowledge and just insight that can be gained just from that like daily tending and mm -hmm. being with the plants is like bigger, I think, than, than any, any kind of, you know, history or folklore, you know, as cool as that may be, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're always going to get the most out of, I think, working directly with the plants in that way. So I think so too. So do you want to like, just kind of start out with what is, what are baneful plants and like the poison path, like the general information for people that sure. don't know what that is? 
Yeah, so the, the poison path is kind of an, an ominous sounding term. Um, it's a, a term that was kind of coined by an author in the field. Um, his name is Del, Dale Pendle, excuse me. Um, he's written some really awesome books on the topic, the um, Pharmaco series as a trilogy of books. So he um, is a prolific author and coined the term, I believe it was in the 90s. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one, guys. But um, yeah, he coined the term poison path and it is just basically working with any plant that has um, a poisonous, intoxicating, um, pernicious kind of a nature, you know, it sort of bleeds into this study of entheology. So uh, mind altering plants. Um, so to define the poison path, it's, it's kind of a, a subset of, you know, traditional herbalism. There's still herbs, they still have medicinal value. So a lot of the ways that we're working with them are gonna be really similar to you know, how we're working with lemon balm or lavender, you know, something that's that's just innocuous and not harmful. Um, so it's really just the, the exploration of these sort of taboo plants and the different uh, magical, spiritual, energetic kind of things that they have to offer. Um, so it is a branch of esoteric herbalism. Um, got some little, little notes here. Um, so it is kind of its own path because it's really just a unique way of working. Um, you know, we've got these different energies that we're tapping into, um, you know, because these plants are poisonous, they are intimately connected with the energies of death and therefore the spirit world and, and just a lot of the, the forces that we as magical practitioners and witches really seek to kind of connect with. Um, so I always tell people, you know, if they're if there were, you know, characters in the plant world and they, you know, fulfilled roles like people did, the baneful herbs would be the the witches of the plant world. I love that. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're dangerous. They're you know they they're seductive. On the other hand, um, they have that kind of dangerous allure about them that you know wants to draw you in until you know you find out that it's it's a little too late <laughs> um, so they have that kind of sinister side to them for sure um, but not only you know they're not just going to be plants that are poisonous but plants that are um, consciousness expanding or mind altering in some way um, so they're going to be used for for personal growth um, they've got a lot of uh, good, good supportive role in um, shadow work. So it's become a really popular component in that, um, working with the different plants through like flower essences and they just help us to sort of bolster us through some of like the darker periods in time, um, different, you know, traumatic situations, kind of helping us connect there. So it's, it's really just, um, you know, just working with these plants that are, are sort of, maligned and plants that we're told to um, stay away from. Um, so they've got that just sort of taboo surrounding them. You know, when, when modern medicine started to sort of take its hold, it was this kind of, the city was associated with learning and knowledge and civilization and the country was more associated with superstition and you know, not being educated or not being literate. So a lot of these traditional, you know, kind of country cures that these plants were, were used in became sort of demonized and they started to get this um, really malefic sort of reputation. And we get into a lot of the propaganda with the, the flying ointments and, and witch trials, which is like a whole nother class that it all kind of added to these, these plants and they're, they're just sort of like witchy um, baneful reputation. Mm. I, I find this all fascinating. Like if I'm not speaking, it's because I'm just like all in. <laughs> like, so, all right. <laughs> so when, when you, so there are different terms and you, you kind of have touched on them, but like <clears throat> Saturnian herbs, is that how you say it? Like you mentioned in, in your mm -hmm. email when we were kind of talking about what we wanted to talk about, um, the differences and the nuances between baneful, sinister, baleful, and Saturnian herbs. Is there, I hear mm -hmm. the Saturn, the planet Saturn, a lot when I'm reading about baneful herbs. So what is the connection there? So Saturn is going to be the predominant ruler for 
the majority of baneful herbs. Um, like all herbs, they are going to have some different planetary nuances, you know, so you will see a little bit of a mercurial aspect in, in one herb. Um, you might see a little bit more of a Venusian aspect in another, um, but they're all sort of in that Saturnian category just because of their, their baneful, um, potentially deadly nature. Mm -hmm. um, and also because of the, the association with witchcraft. So we have like a lot of these different terms sort of all lumped together and we start dealing with um, mind altering plants, consciousness altering plants, even um, you know aphrodisiacs are all kind of wrapped in this whole um, you know knowledge, the, the pharmacia of um, ancient Greece, you know, dealing with, with these potent medicines that were simultaneously you know, elevated to the spiritual status too. Um, you know, so the ancient world was really able to rec recognize, you know, the spiritual energetic potential as well as the concrete chemical medical value that the plants have too. Um, and one kind of informs the other, you know, so they've got the, the active chemistry, the active components, which are, are what makes them poisonous. But on the other mm -hmm. hand, it's also what makes them medicinal and makes them capable of, you know, altering consciousness. Mm -hmm. So when I when I describe the poison path, I always put poison in quotation marks um, because poison is is a really relative term. Um, it all comes down to the dosage. Um, you know, what something another example too would be like an allergy, something that's completely harmless to one person, a peanut is going to be, you know, deadly to somebody else. So it really depends on dosage, preparation, and, and like individual physiology too. So poison is kind of a really relative term. Mm -hmm. um, and if you compare it to, you know, the idea of intoxication, so even like cannabis, opium, alcohol, stimulants, coffee, nicotine, mm -hmm. all of those are altering our physiology and our body chemistry in some way that's changing our perception or a desired effect. Um, so those all kind of fall under this umbrella of entheogen and poison and baneful. Um, you know, they got a lot of the, the more sinister sort of bad rap folklore was just basically through being demonized by other cultures. And this, you know, wasn't just in, in Christianity, this is like all throughout history. Right. Um, you know, the people in power that are wanting to keep, you know, control over society are the ones that are demonizing these plants. And the reason that they're demonizing them is because we've got these, you know, secret sex, sects, the Eleusinian mysteries and um, these different mystery traditions that are sort of built around these spiritual plants or um, sacraments, really. Mm -hmm. And that's just a threat to the dominant society. Um, you know, anything that's going to cause people to expand their mind and think a little bit differently is going to be a threat to that sort of status quo. So it's, it's kind of the equivalent you know, the ancient world equivalent to like reefer madness and satanic panic. And, you know, if you smoke pot, you're going to chop your family up. Into oh my gosh. Yes. That is like the perfect example of like here in the U.S. Like there's states that you can do it in legally. But man, you talk to some people and that Santan they equivocate like my aunt believes that like if you smoke cannabis it stays in your blood forever and like taints your your essence mm -hmm. so you can't go to heaven I'm like wait what yeah like that's yeah she and she's a she's a like a science nerd and she still like believes I'm like what so oh, it's the devil's lettuce it is <laughs> keeping the man down yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, how so they yeah they do they just have like this this sort of taboo um you know there are plants that have been ostracized from the rest of the plant world because they are a little edgier they are a little bit more renegade and dangerous and their spirits and their energy are that way too and that's the main reason that they're kind of grouped under that Saturnian category is just because they're associated with all of those things that we like to keep in the shadow and all of those things that society doesn't, you know, want us to talk about or acknowledge. So, um, yeah, I've always like my husband pointed it out the other day. 
he was like, it's illegal for us in this state to cultivate cannabis, but I have enough plants in here that are mature to like take out the town in a, in our water <laughs> tank, but I, that's exactly. legal. Like, so we always thought like, that's, it's just so strange what people will focus on and, you know, deem evil or bad or illegal. Um, yeah, that's, I just find it funny. I was outside, I smoke um, like Blue Lotus a lot when I want to like chill and I meditate with it. And it was warm the other day, finally in Nebraska. So I was outside and I have a little pre-roll and I'm smoking it. And they thought like people were walking by and I was like, oh shit, they probably think I'm smoking a blunt out here. So <laughs> I got all the looks because I live in town. <laughs> My husband does not know that I did this. He's he's like paranoid about what I do anyway outside. So I'm not going to uh -huh. tell him and he doesn't listen to the podcast. So it's okay. But yeah, it, it, I was like <laughs> doing my thing, my hippie thing outside. I'm like, oh God, like I'm going to get arrested for Blue Lotus. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And you never know either. And that's, you know, some plants, even, you know, talking about the U.S., you know, state by state is going to have different regulations. And, yep. um, you know, when I get into shipping in different countries, I'm always worried, you know, am I going to get in trouble or get somebody in trouble for, mm -hmm. for shipping something that's legal here, you know, over there. And yeah, um, Australia is a big one with that. So um, they're, they're, they're super, super strict on seeds. So anything that any kind of seeds I won't ship to Australia. Um, I'm really leery with different herbal preparations just because there's some hmm. really high um, penalties for certain salves because there's wow. this um black salve going around that has blood root in it and apparently it can it's really like corrosive to the skin so it's very very dangerous so they're just very kind of you know leery about any kind of like medicinal salve or herbal product oh wow yeah. i didn't think about that like i can buy i've had all kinds of stuff shipped here and i've never had any problem but i have a tiny little podunk post office you know, it's not a big hub here. I'm sure it goes mm -hmm. through that stuff, but, but I've had, um, I love the truffles from Emporium Black or Black Emporium. Yeah, Seamus's truffles, definitely. So I've had those <laughs> shipped here quite a bit and seeds and different plants and never had issues. <laughs> so hopefully I'll keep not having issues. I hope so. That's, yeah, that's always a fear of mine that, you know, the, the popularity with these plants is going to grow so much to a point and somebody that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing or maybe take it seriously or is maybe trying to do something recreationally is going to really hurt themselves. Yeah. And then some lawmaker is going <clears> to, <throat> you know, ban all of the, the plants in the Solanacea family and make yeah. my life a lot a lot more difficult <laughs> oh yeah and i could see <clears throat> doing that like oh my god um because people <laughs> heal from these plants and there's going to be people who are going to abuse it abuse uh the use of these plants just because you know we're humans and we do stupid shit. but um yeah. i really appreciate all of the plant you know magic and the plant um healing that we can get from them so i hope it doesn't go that far <laughs> Yep, me too. That's why, that's why it's important to me to get as much information out there as possible and point everyone in the right direction and yes. you know, just stress the, the research and all of that. Um, but just talking on the, the blue lotus that you mentioned, you know, that's another really good example of a plant that is technically entheogenic and it's got the different, you know, euphoric properties and mm -hmm you know, the, the religious use in ancient Egypt, you know, dating all the way back to that. So that's an example of a plant that is technically entheogenic and does have spiritual uses, um, but is working on, you know, plant chemistry as well. Like, you know, it's changing your brain chemistry. So it is yeah. technically an entheogen, yeah. but not, not one, you know, like belladonna where you could potentially overdose and, and poison yourself. Right. And it's not like <clears throat> you know, but even something like uh, right. And it's not like I'm outside doing shrooms running around. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. the dose of the, the mix I get, um, is very gentle. I, I love it. I actually really love to meditate with, mm -hmm. uh, blue lotus, but definitely yes. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of them are, are conducive to meditation and, and divination and just sort of put you in that 
you know, they just break down the barriers um, in day-to-day -day thinking and just help you to get into that other mindset, that other consciousness. Um, so it's not that you're you're not looking for a high or no. you know these in, intense hallucinogenic experiences. You know every single time you're working with the plant, you know it just doesn't work that way. <clears throat> um, we kind of I went off on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> Can we talk about <laughs> like um, I, when I've mentioned plant spirits because I'm taking very slowly getting through all of your classes on the plant familiars and all that. Can we talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit? Because I know my listeners, like we were kind of just having a chat the other day in a, one of our groups and I mentioned that I was taking that class um, and they're very interested in what that is and how it can benefit their spiritual practice. Yeah, definitely. So a plant spirit familiar is going to be just like any other type of familiar spirit. Um, with what we know about them, they will oftentimes take a number of different forms. Sometimes they're animal, sometimes they're more humanoid, sometimes they're a plant, sometimes they're a combination of all of those. So <clears throat> a plant spirit familiar would just typically be a witch's familiar or a familiar spirit that is coming from the plant realm. So when we start to uh, think about these plants as individual spirits, um, there's kind of a, an overarching, um, you probably heard maybe the term deva, which is just like a larger sort of uh, an elemental spirit. So you've got like the individual belladonna plant spirits. Every little belladonna plant has its own little spirit and will interact with you on an individual basis. But the the genus itself, the larger group of plant spirits also has, you know, its master plant spirit, which is kind of like the collective consciousness of all of the belladonna plants. Okay. Um, you know, with that whole as above, so below, we see that larger consciousness we can access through individual plants and through plant spirit medicine, which is going to be either you know, ingesting the plants or meditating with the plants in some way, you know, coming into that sort of physical contact or energetic contact. And you're basically, you know, building a rapport just like you would with any other spirit. Um, and over time, certain plant spirits will seem to present themselves to you. Um, you know, you might feel drawn to a specific plant or drawn to a specific part of the plant's mythology. Um, and that's why, you know, studying the myth and the folklore is so important because it kind of gives us an idea of the flavor or the, you know, the personality of the plant, because we've got all these little anecdotes to draw from, um, you know, so it's just the wider consciousness of that particular plant spirit. Um, and through regular communion and different journeying, um, visualization, things like that, we can create this relationship that the plant spirit starts to act as a sort of uh, a tutelary spirit. So a teaching spirit uh, or a spirit guide um, in the way that it would help to connect us with other spiritual entities. So now that we've sort of established this relationship with a plant spirit, um, we can sort of use them as our go-between to maybe approach a plant spirit that maybe doesn't like us as much and they can sort of smooth things over a little bit. Um, you know, so for example, like me, I typically work with a trope of belladonna or deadly nightshade, which is in the nightshade family. Um, that seems to be the one that likes me the most and the one that I sort of resonate the most, most with, um, the most interested in its folklore. Um, so I would sort of go to her as kind of a segue into working with a plant like mandrake, which just, I don't know. We don't, we don't get along. We just don't get along that well. <laughs> so far I'm growing, I, they're growing. They're only like this big right now, but I have like four of them. I had one just up and die for no reason. Like I'm sure there was an actual reason, mm -hmm. but I'm like, oh my God, the other ones are still alive. Now they're not near as flourishing and huge and um, big as my, belladonnas are my belladonnas seem mm -hmm. to grow well here um so i think i'm kind of on the same page like honestly like this is uh so this is my like aesthetic need i'm like i can't i can't like 
latch on to Belladonna because that's a cliche. I'm a creepy witch and I'm going to latch on to Belladonna. So of course I wanted like <laughs> any other plant. I'm like, okay, girls, mm -hmm. somebody else <clears throat> flourish and connect, but that's not how it has been. It's been Belladonna. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that must be a common thread with that because there is that little bit of resistance that's just like, oh, you know, is this just like the, you know, the most stereotypical go-to that yeah. I'm just going to. And then, you, you know, you try and work with your mandrake or wolfsbane or something like that. And it's just like, no, back to, back to Belladonna. <laughs> yep. And that's what I've got. I think I've got, I've got three plants in here and I think I have four out in the, in the living room up really high so the cats can't get them, but they just really grow well. And I do connect with them nicely. I had, so totally different tangent. Um, so for Christmas, we went to um, uh, like a secluded cabin because it's still like COVID and quarantine and whatever. So we wanted to like just get away. And I had bought one of those truffles, a bunch of them, but I bought one specifically to work with Belladonna while I was out and about. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take this on Christmas. And it was the coolest experience. Like my, so my husband's paranoid that because I'm a runner, I like to explore when I'm on mind altering or whatever things so he's like you can't just go on a nature hike by yourself so he's always with me and I sat down by this beautiful stream and I you know took the thing and I'm like meditating and immediately I could smell like the best like floral smell to me it smelled like orange blossoms when I lived in SoCal but it was like mm -hmm. this beautiful um aroma and I felt like I could feel like I know this plant is here the one I've been like really meditating with but I swear I felt her kind of with me while I was doing mm -hmm. that and this is the first time that I was like oh my gosh like there's a real connection between you know myself and these these plants that I'm caring for and trying to build a relationship with it was really cool like um the only time I've ever been able to do wa water scrying was that day like I was mm -hmm. able to like look into the, the stream was super slow moving and I could see shapes and, and things that were coming through. Not because I was like people, some people are like, you were tripping balls. No, I was not. I was still completely coherent. It's just a very, mm -hmm. it's a micro dose. So exactly. I felt like I really connected with her that day. And it was just, and I, and I know that they're probably not gendered, but to me, because probably because I'm a chick, I don't know, but that's who I, I identify this specific plant over here um, as female. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they, they, I don't think they're gendered either, but you know, they do kind of give off a, a certain vibe. <clears throat> and I think Belladonna, you know, just with its name alone, meaning beautiful woman, um, nine times out of 10, she's presenting herself as a, a dark, beautiful, seductive woman. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's just a perfect example of, um, you know, working with an entheogen and it's changing your perception. It's opening you to these, you know, these intuitive channels beyond your day-to-day -day consciousness, but you're not stumbling around so messed up, not knowing what's up, what's down. It's not, it's not a, a psychedelic. It's not a, a hallucin hallucinogen. And I think it's really important to distinguish from that, um, you know, it's not give the poison path the rap that, you know, we're just seeking a bunch of legal highs, basically, yeah, no. that there is a, a huge spiritual component there. And if we completely take the entheogenic chemical part out of the equation, there's just still so much power and potential to be tapped into with the plants just just from their correspondence and you know magical uses alone and that's that's really the area that i i find the most interesting personally um and i know that the the spiritual aspect kind of informs the chemical aspect and <clears throat> the fact that they are entheogenic is why they're spiritually potent and vice versa but i I personally try and focus a little bit more on using them as yeah. ingredients in ritual, um, you know, using them as kind of in that sort of familiar spirit aspect where we're, we're incorporating the plant into our ritual, just like we would any other familiar spirit. It was the coolest experience because I mean, I'm 41 here, so I've done you know, I was in my 20s at some point and experimented mm -hmm. with other things. Um, right. Not looking for that kind of, you know, thing anymore. I'm looking for a connection and a way to expand my spirituality. 
which is originally why I was like, I think I want to grow, grow like baneful herbs and see how that can, how I can work it in. And, um, doing that and just kind of sitting with that energy and experiencing that it did, it totally expanded. I got some amazing, um, intuitive messages. Um, and it just, honestly, it's like, and it's gonna, this is so like, I'm not a crazy plant lady, maybe, but it felt like I was like getting this giant, like, uh, energy around me telling me that, honestly the the message I got was go deeper and you'll feel better um so Mm -hmm. I needed to work on some things I was hanging on to um so I feel like Belladonna is helping me work through my spiritual shadow anyway so I I think Mm -hmm. that's what but it felt like a big big like hug kind of um and but some Mm -hmm. tough love tell me you know what there are things that you have not let go of that are holding you back um basically you know Put on your big britches and deal with it and it wasn't something that i was really thinking about i was thinking about all the fluffy bunny stuff and i really needed to like look within and it really has helped like for me anyway it might not be for everybody but for me um working with the baneful plant has really helped me develop me you know work on yourself mm-hmm. yeah yep they just sort of force us to look at those different aspects of ourself just because they are associated with the parts of our, you know, culture that are the most taboo. So not only, you know, death, but sex and, you know, um, just any of those sort of inversionary experiences, you know, which is being accused of, of cannibalism and, and baby killing and just everything that is, is taboo. Um, you know, there's just a lot of insight, I think, to be found in those Mm-hmm. those sort of cultural boundaries that as we break through them and the, the baneful herbs definitely um, give you that sort of starting nudge to get you going um, you know but they are also supportive um, kind of through those processes and a lot of people will use them to kind of help work through past trauma um, deal with addiction um, depression um, they're really, really good with working through just fear and anxiety. Um, so a lot of the, a lot of the uncomfortable symptoms that the plants will actually cause if you take too much of them are what they will help sort of alleviate if you take them properly and, you know, the proper microdosing or working with flower essences or, um, you know, safer ways of working with them um, can be used long-term for more, more supportive care to you. Yeah. I, I, it's a whole new like world for me because I'm, I mean, I use herbs in my spiritual practice as a witch. I've always used herbs. I've always loved to grow stuff, but really this is a whole new, um, it really is deep in my practice and the way I use just my regular herbs, you know, I grab rosemary and I think about what it, what it represents and what can it do for me spiritually and in the mundane world too. Um, it's changed the way I look at plants. <laughs> in yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it is, it is kind of its own approach with its own sort of viewpoints, um, mm-hmm. just sort of its own way of thinking. And I think that's why calling it the poison path and sort of keeping it over here and keeping it distinct, you know, it's, it's good. Yes. So there is, I'm not going to be able to pronounce any, like anybody that listens to my podcast knows I suck really bad at pronouncing anything really. Okay. Uh, so there was a part uh, that you wanted to talk about in your email. Um, and it, I'm just going to say it's number four. Can we talk about that? You, t- we were talking about plant, plant spirit allies, um, but mm-hmm. you wanted to, you mentioned magical catalyst and I think in, in, enthogenic sacraments, that sort of things, like how you can um, incorporate all of that into your actual magic, doing sympathetic magic and things like that. You're like, got to find the email that you sent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wrote, I wrote a a long version of my notes and then I kind of condensed them. So I'm just making sure we're on the same part of the notes. Yeah. Like Um, I was reading that one and I think that you know, you mentioned an example is master plant spirit, which we talked about. We talked about a little mm-hmm. bit of that, but um, I want to kind of talk about how we can use that in our magic, not just um, so like in 
different spells and rituals um, outside of me just, you know, meditating with my plants or taking microdoses while I meditate? Like what, what uses can um, they offer us in our witchy practice? Okay, so um, they're going to have correspondences just like any other plant. So they're going to have a planetary association. They're going to have an elemental association, uh, which we can draw from <clears throat> when we're matching correspondences, building our rituals. I think everybody understands that. Um, lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> so they have these correspondences um, that we're drawing from when we are building our rituals. And they also have that mythology that's attached to them too. So all of the, that's basically where the sort of magical uses for things come from is all of these collected little bits of mythology and folklore. Um, you know, so they all have that. So just researching that and coming to you sort of understand the story behind the plant gives mm -hmm. us more of a vocabulary um, to draw from when we're kind of building our spells, building our rituals. So the more that you know about, you know, the personality of the plant, the more you more nuance you kind of have to to draw from, you know, and so that's why you could use <clears throat> a baneful herb for a hex, a protection spell, or a love spell. Mm -hmm. You know, it can go any of those three directions and, you know, and more. So we're, we're using them in spell work just like we would any other herb, um, you know, so incorporating them into maybe an incense or an oil that we're using as an anointing oil, uh, or we're, you know, building a charm bag or creating a poppet, just incorporating those, those herbal ingredients. Um, so the way we would kind of choose a choose a baneful herb to work with and how to work with it, um, just looking at its correspondence, I will use, who do I want to use as an example? We'll just stick with Belladonna because she's our favorite. <laughs> uh, she doesn't like to be left out, apparently. Um, you know, so we've got all of these different aspects of the Belladonna plant that we can work with. So if we're trying to, um, you know, create a charm to help with um, communicating with spirits, maybe there is a loved one that's passed on that we're trying to connect with or sort of reconcile something with or, you know, some sort of a, an ancestral thing that we're wanting to work out. Um, we could incorporate that into the spell work just because of the, the connection that it has with um, the energies of death, but also because of the fact that it is an entheogen, it is going to kind of open us up to those more um, spiritual energies. So the safest way to incorporate them is to use them as anointing oils. Um, and this doesn't mean that you have to make something that's, you know, really, really concentrated and really, really potent, um, but just a small amount of plant material. And you can ritualize the, you know, the making of the oil, bringing the ingredients together and charging it um, and adding some of that plant material and then using that to anoint your candles or anoint your other magical <clears throat> ingredients that you're bringing together into this charm. Um, so incorporating it that way. Um, another one that would be really great for that would be Datura. Um, Datura is a little bit more of a trickster spirit than Belladonna. Um, it's more of a shapeshifter. It's associated with the, the coyote, um, nocturnal animals. So it's just kind of a real um, tricksy plant, but it is really good for um, past life work and regressive type therapies and really kind of going back and getting to the root of things. Um, so it all just kind of depend on sort of the direction that you're wanting to go with the working <clears throat> to, to choose the plant that you're wanting to. Um, they can be incorporated into incense. Um, again, just using, they're, they're extremely potent plants chemically and spiritually. So just always kind of remembering that, you know, if you're not sure how much to add, or if you're concerned that, you know, it might be too much and you don't want to hurt yourself, you know, just adding a tiny amount, a little pinch 
um, into your incense. You know, you're never going to, you're not going to kill yourself with a pinch of anything mm -hmm. unless you're, you know, you're right over top of it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, so not, <clears throat> not treating them with, with too much fear and trepidation, but still being mindful of what they are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they will be utilized in, in our magical practice, just like any other plant could be. Um, and getting into, you know, working with plant spirit familiars, you can also talk about it a little bit in my plant spirit familiar class, um, the creation of like a plant spirit familiar vessel, um, where you're actually building a, a liquid container that's containing all of these plant parts, um, either for a single plant or for a combination of different plants and keeping that energy kind of contained so that you've now got this um, sort of spiritual touchstone container that you can keep on your altar and it's going to be supportive in your rituals and being present for it. It's just kind of a, a mutually beneficial relationship where the plant spirit will then help you in any of the workings that you're working on and it's going to constantly um, reinforce that connection by you know in involving it in all of your workings. So they are, um, you know, I mentioned magical catalysts, which is a way that I think of these plants just in general, um, just because they are so magical and they have so many different associations with magical practice in the spirit world, different, um, different things like that. I see them as potentiators for any type of formula. Mm -hmm. um, so you might not might not be utilizing it just for, um, you know, a specific correspondence. Um, you can use it just as um, something to kind of bind together and make a formula more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, just because it does bring in that just extra, you know, occult sort of energy to things. Right. So while we're talking about using them in our magic, are there any like general safety measures? So there's a lot of like, you read about them, they're like all parts of this plant are toxic, you know, all plants of this plant are toxic. Um, I tend to use gloves when I am doing anything with them just because, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt myself or my pets or, you know, anything they come in contact with. But um, like, how bad would it be if you took a whole leaf of like, just say like my Datura plant and burned it? in it you know what I mean like how like the incense can the incense of it or smoking basically you're inhaling it like you would smoke but you're you know not actually mm -hmm. would that be too much like what are the the general I know this is like a lot of information but like the general don't do that that you should be aware of okay um the first thing would be working with fresh plant material is always going to be a little bit more dangerous um so you hear about people you know you know, don't handle this plant, don't touch it. It's super, super dangerous, which just creates a lot of uh, unnecessary fear around it. You know, I, I handle hemlock, I handle wolfsbane. Yeah. Um, it's typically the dry plant material. Um, what you want to avoid is getting any of the juices on your skin. Um, that's where the real threat with um, things like those lie. Um, plants like belladonna, datura, henbane, um, I handle those as well. The most I've ever had, <clears throat> I've noticed from handling Datura is that my fingers get a little itchy mm -hmm. if I get pricked by any of the, the seed pods. Okay. <clears throat> um, without getting too much into like dosing, um, yeah. it's really just yeah. using common sense. You can put a pinch of anything on um, some incense and just sort of let it fill the, the ambient yeah. environment in the room and be totally fine um, just to get the energetics of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, traditionally a lot of the entheogens were burned on a, an incense brazier and that's how they were consumed. So it's definitely has the potential to alter your perception, mm -hmm. um, but doing a little pinch at a time, you know, you're going to be able to control it a lot more yeah. than, you know, putting a whole big pile or an entire leaf. Um, with, with Datura and your example of, you know, burning the entire leaf, <clears throat> I've heard of, of people smoking Datura cigarettes. Yeah. I've never done it, um, which would be, you know, up to a gram. Mm -hmm. um, just, just knowing that, 
you know, burning, burning a leaf right. in the ambient environment on an incense burner isn't going to be as intense as smoking it. Well, no, yeah. Um, so it kind of, you know, it's use your brain basically. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to use a, a little bit of common sense. There's always going to be a little bit of an inherent risk. It's always going to be, <clears throat> you know, a little bit spooky feeling when you're doing it, but that's sort of part of why you're doing it there is going to be a little bit of fear a little bit of you know anxiety around working with it and that's you know kind of the point behind the plants is getting us to face that well, yeah. you know but also not not working in a, a reckless and and self-destructive way right um the the main concern is actual oral ingestion mm -hmm. um you know making teas and drinking things like that you know the the alkaloids that are in a lot of these plants are going to absorb much more readily through the gastrointestinal tract um directly into the bloodstream than they are going to you know getting a little bit on your skin or using it topically or um you know even smoking it mm -hmm. ingesting it orally is always going to have more more pronounced effects right um, yeah so i definitely wouldn't recommend that um, you can kind of get into working with them in tinctures, but again, that's going to be microdosing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so it's just important to kind of keep that dividing line in your brain of, you know, they're entheogens, they can be used to expand consciousness and get us into these other, other realms of thinking, you know, but they can also just be used as magical ingredients too, with the, the entheogenic part completely taken out of the, the equation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that really just comes down to correspondence and, and, you know, sympathy with the ritual. Right. Cool. I am so excited about this whole, like, I spent most of last year just learning how to grow them. Like, just, I was like, I'm just going to grow them and see what works, see what doesn't, and, you know, build a relationship with them. And then, so I haven't really used them in any kind of magical workings at this point. Um, I use, so... <laughs> funny story. So there's these berries that grow all over in the area that I work at, that I live in. And we used, we grew up on a ranch and my sister and I used to take these little berries that turn dark, dark, dark purple, like almost black. And we would like smash them up and make mud pies with them. We would use them as dye and put them in our skin and do all kinds oh, of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, I found they were growing when we bought the house. There was some of those growing in one of my flower beds and I was picking out, I'm like, these look super familiar that I, I was looking up other things. And they said, it's like, it's it's wild. It's not uh, a night, it's is a part of a nightshade family, but it's mm -hmm. not, you know, my belladonna or anything. So I was right. looking at that, I'm like, man, I'm really glad we didn't ingest any of those when we were kids, but we just was like, we use them as all kind. We made our own ink. Like even back then, we were witchy as crap. We like got sticks out and smashed this stuff down and made ink out of it and played with it <laughs> since we were like little, little. So we're so at the beginning of last year when I'm growing all these, I'm like doing research. I'm like, oh my god, that's what those were. And they're just growing. You know, I actually let them because they would not go away in one of my flower beds. So now they just have a space that that's where they go now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's. So I have used those in a in spells though. I put them in little little jars and things like that to do to do things. But as for these guys, I have not used them in a spell yet. But those, but the the forbidden berries. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what we used to call them, forbidden berries. Like maybe intuitively know we knew um, at that time not to eat them. <laughs> I, I think so. I think there's <laughs> survival mechanism there. <laughs> like we're not going to eat these, but we're going to do everything else with them. God. Right. We were, you know, it is funny how many of us grew up, you know, making all of these poisonous potions and things yeah. with stuff that we found outside that probably were <laughs> pretty yeah, poisonous. Yeah. I remember getting a hold of nettles, the stinging nettles for the first time and learning my lesson there really quick. I'm like, this belongs mm. in our salad that we were making. And I grabbed a hold of them and ow. Oh, right. Yeah. So we, I don't know, do you guys have stinging nettles out there? And where where you're in, yes, yeah, you have them. Yeah, we have them here in in Scotland for sure. Um, I learned that the hard way over the summer. Ouch! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I still have a very healthy respect 
for them. Like they're great medicinally for some things, but yeah, I, they have a, a healthy uh, respect or I have a healthy respect for them. Definitely. And that's kind of another example of a plant that, you know, it's not necessarily poisonous and it's not, it's not really even Saturnian. I think it's ruled by Mars, um, but it does kind of have that, you know, baneful, yeah. I do air quotes. Nobody can see me doing quotes, but um, you know, <laughs> that baneful association, just because it's prickly, it's, it's inflammatory, it can hurt the skin. So anything that kind of has that thorny, dangerous, um, you know, these would have been plants that were, um, plants that were, you know, associated with the wilderness and the, the, the danger of that. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything we didn't cover. I bounce all around. Like to somebody who's super organized, I'm sure them interviewing with me is like annoying because I'm like going. No, this is perfect. This is my total. I'm a fire sign, so okay, this is good. the way that I operate. I okay. I often wonder, like, is anybody gonna <laughs> understand anything I just said? Oh, absolutely. And I like, I'm literally like, I'm, and I've mentioned to Kalen before. I feel like I have so much air in my chart. I'm like a tornado. Like my brain mm -hmm. inside here just feels like a tornado all the time. So sometimes I'm just yeah. everywhere. And like my husband's very, very grounded. He's a Virgo. He has so much Virgo in his, it's crazy. Um, so he, I drive him insane. Like, I don't know how it works, but like we must mm -hmm. balance each other out. Cause he's like, so level. Yes. Bless the, bless the fire or the earth and air sign our earth and water signs for putting up with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Um, Let's see. I'm just going through any of my notes, see if I had anything else that needed to be said. I will make sure I have a nice, healthy um, warning and disclaimer at the beginning of this so that, so that um, a, a CYA. So I don't want anybody yes, like definitely. going and purchasing a bunch of this stuff and, you know, eat, drinking a whole bottle. That would be very bad. Don't do that. Um, yes, we do not recommend that. <laughs> no, no. So you make the oils. Because I remember seeing, I'm trying to remember your website. I think I saw some like, was it witch oil? There was yep, I do um, a few witch oils. I've got a Datura a Belladonna Henbane blend and then just a Henbane oil by itself. <clears throat> um, we've got a couple other uh, Garden of Hecate oil. Ooh. So when you make Which the oils, do you make those you make those with like some kind of carrier oil with all of these. Did the plant materials stay in it? Like when you ship the bottles out, do they have plant material in it or is it straight oil? I'm just curious. Um, so what I do for my oils, which you'd find on the Poisoner's Apothecary, because um, I do collaborate with some other others too. Um, so I'm just speaking of the Poisoner's Apothecary oils. Those are actual um, oil infusions. So it's a hot oil infusion. Um, where the plant materials left to infuse in the plant for um, up to eight to 10 hours, roughly. Okay. So it's a little bit faster than cold infusion. And with the alkaloids that we're trying to extract from plants specifically in the nightshade family, they're not going to extract as readily um, in just a simple cold infusion, you know, leaving it to sit at room temperature four to six weeks. So definitely adding heat and then also adding some type of a acidifier to it to help bring those um, alkaloids out. Um, so those are actual extracted oils that could be used in um, entheogenic practice <clears throat> um, by applying them topically. Awesome. I have yet to get one of those. I wanted to learn more about the herbs, the plants, before I dove into like using them on my body. Um, mm -hmm. I did ingest them because honestly, those truffles are freaking amazing. They're so good. Have you, you've tried them? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love the truffles. They're we so love good. the truffles. Yeah. That's, and they're a great way for people to kind of dip their toe into the pool and just really, yeah. you know, you've got all of these different flavors to choose from, and it's just a way to introduce yourself to all of these unique different sort of members and just the way that. Seamus blends everything together and the different themes of each one. They're just, each one's its own, own experience. So. Yes. Well, I, next on my list is to, to get the, some of your oils to use now that I've like got an actual relationship 
with my plants. <laughs> I feel like I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, now I can have like an oil because I don't trust myself yet to make anything like that. <laughs> I just, I just want to um, learn more about them and experience the relationship. Because um, I, I'm too, I don't know if I'm too chaotic to make like actual like safe oils or not. So I don't, I'd rather trust you <laughs> to do that. Do that for me. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's not as it's not as daunting as it would seem yeah. and that's why I'm so excited to do this next class just because they're I just feel like um, the past couple hundred years and just with modern witchcraft and all of that we've really lost a lot of the yeah. you know the practical usable information when it comes to working with these plants um, I remember for a while I would avoid any recipe in any book that had wolfsbane or mandrake or belladonna mm -hmm. because number one, they're super hard to find. And I thought, oh, I'm never gonna, you know, why would I do this? Because I'm never gonna be able to find them. Mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, you get taught that these ingredients were just um, pseudonyms for, you know, something else to make it sound like a little bit witchier or to kind of throw people off and say, oh, you know, wing of bat, toe of frog. So kind of lump mandrake and wolfsbane in with that too. So for a long time, I didn't think there was really anything usable or, you know, useful in, in plants like that. And there's just a big gap, I think, in making magical practice more socially palatable that a lot of the the darker, edgier, more taboo things that have been with us for so long kind of got yep. pushed aside again. I'm excited um, for it. I'm stoked about your class. I saw that you're offering that and I'm like, I gotta do that. Um because <laughs> I just I, I'm one I'm a information hoarder. So I'm mm -hmm. very, very excited about that. Um do you want to talk about your book? I could talk about my book. <laughs> I'm excited for this book. <laughs> I'm so excited for this book. This book has been, oh, three, about three years writing it. <clears throat> um, you know, even longer, just gathering all of the information. But it is the Poison Path Herbal, and it is coming out October 2021. So this coming up October, uh, where a year later than I originally projected, which is totally fine. I think the timing with it all, you know, getting past the whole 2020 hump will just be perfect. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a poison path herbal. It goes through all of the different plants in the poison path, describes their folklore. Um, but not only that, it's a real kind of focus on practical use, safe use, formulation, um, really incorporating them into magical practice. You know, that's kind of my area. So I really expand a lot on that, but I do provide a lot of the, the formulation information and, you know, just kind of a general history and really trying to, you know, the poison path is just kind of this, this branch of herbalism that has all of these different interconnected practices that are sort of lumped together. So the book is really just you know, trying to kind of compartmentalize the path a little bit more, make it a little bit neater and more accessible for somebody that is interested in beginning. I'm excited for it. So if it comes out in October, this October, will it be, will you have like a pre-order thing or it's just going to launch and all of us get it? <laughs> so what's going to happen as far as I know, um, I just heard back from the publisher <clears throat> a couple of days ago on the, the launch date. So they'll come out with a catalog in February that is announcing um, forthcoming publications and mine should be in that. So once that happens, we'll probably launch into more of like the marketing ads campaigns and all of that. So you'll, you'll definitely hear about it, mm -hmm. um, but it will be available in stores and online October. That's like the perfect time for witches to buy a book like this. It really is. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. very excited for this. Um, did you have anything you wanted? Like if somebody was like, had never um, interacted with or planted or worked with any kind of these plants, what would you say to them? Like, what would their first steps be? Buy your book and then. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my book. 
<clears throat> buy a few more books. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely research, you know, as with everything esoteric, it all comes down to research, research, research. So just learning as much as you can about them. Um, but honestly, the best way I think is to, to grow them. Um, and I know not everyone has the means to do that. Not everyone has a green thumb. Um, personally, I think my, my green thumb is more in the, the realm of like formulation and potion making and, and things like that than the actual growing, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, so that is a good way, uh, you know, but just pick a plant and start researching it and see if you kind of resonate with, you know, the stories that are told about it and mm -hmm. um, just go from there. <clears throat> I do have a few um, reading recommendations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So the first one um, is The Witching Herbs by Harold Roth. Um, that one is a really good one for poison plant information. It's not strictly limited to poisonous plants. Um, oh yeah, that is, that's a really, really good one. I would recommend that to, to anybody interested in the poison path is The Witching Herbs by Harold Roth. Okay. Uh, another title would be Grimoire of the Thorn-Blooded Witch by Raven Gramasi. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good one for working with plant spirit familiars in general. It's not strictly limited to poisonous plants, but it doesn't leave them out either. Mm -hmm. um, then we've got witchcraft medicine. Um, that's a really great study, um, just really, really in-depth. So I'd highly recommend that. Um, we have psychedelic magic by Tom Hassis. Um, so he does a really great job of, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at entheogenic traditions and practices then down in a way the new so, um, you know, stimulants, onerogenics, dreaming herbs, um, you know, the more psychedelic. So they're, they're kind of grouped a little bit more, more diversely there. So I would definitely recommend those to start off with. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I will make that list and put it in the show, uh, write those down and put in the show notes and I'll probably share them in our group too after the episode comes out. So if people want to start reading up, they can then. Um, so yeah, well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I've been wanting to do this for a while and just haven't like actually scheduled it and asked you. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it a yeah, lot. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Kobe again for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. I learned so much and it definitely like lit a fire under my ass to learn more about the plants that I'm growing and to develop a deeper relationship with them. Basically leveled up my like crazy plant lady status. So, so thank you, Kobe, for that. My husband, on the other hand, um, after I ordered like $80 worth of plants and seeds the other day uh probably is not as appreciative although he really doesn't know yet and maybe he won't know I'll just sneak them in the door and put them in my witch cave he really doesn't like coming in here so anyway <laughs> thank you guys for listening if you would like to learn more about Kobe and all the things that he offers please check out the links in this episode head over to the groups we have on Facebook we have witchy woman friends group you have to click to join and agree to some rules um because you know humans and we also have a main page witchy woman podcast and we have a coven with a bunch of different subgroups depending on what tier level that you choose on patreon but we have classes there we have witchcrafting day which is basically like crafty witch stuff that we do in a zoom <laughs> we have spells meditations card pulls so much stuff um and free classes i have a whole bunch of classes there that you can watch at your leisure um please go to uh, witchywomanpodcast.com and click on join the coven i did update my website with a bunch of new pictures and information so if you want to check that out i would really appreciate it let me know how you feel about the new the new pictures the new look and all that good stuff um, that's all I have. So until next time, stay witchy. Bye-bye.